All right. Thank you, Miles. I really believe that this is a moment for us, again, to lean in. And, and I love that you just said that because I've been at churches and you've been at churches before where the elders are here and you're like, oh, what's the, what's the dirt of today? Like something's happened. But also the good news is it's not just that. They're not here to ask you for money. That's another thing the elders get on stage and talk about. So they're not here for that reason. Today is a moment for them who are men who've spent time with God, who ask on behalf of our church on their knees what we are to do. And it's a moment for us to just let them deposit into our souls something directly from the word of God. So what's going to happen is each one of them is going to set themselves up and just say who they are. And then they're going to speak directly to what their vision slash their heart is for the people of our church. These are our elders. These are the shepherds of our church. These are the people who, again, it's not that they're special other than the fact that they have lived holy lives and meet their criteria to be elders. And these men, each one of them has impacted me more directly than I think any other man besides my father has in Miles. And so I'm just expectant that you guys get the opportunity to hear from men who are in the community, who are serving, and who are leading. And so I'm excited for each one of them to have the opportunity to share right now. So why don't we just go ahead and start. Chris, why don't you introduce us to who you are? Hey, good morning. I'm Chris Boer, and glad to be part of this elder team. So thank you very much. I really appreciate you guys. What it's all a good, you've it's done. a good family right there. All I love the picture. Oh, there they are. It's behind you. Don't be awesome. scared. So, yeah, this is uh, my wife, Katie, wife of 29 years, uh, two daughters. Yeah. Uh, Sarah Beth and Gracie. Sarah Beth uh, just graduated from Auburn and moved to New York for a job in Manhattan. Took her up just last Sunday. And uh, Gracie is majoring in who knows what. Uh, she's a junior, so she better figure it out. Uh, <laughs> She, she's at Colorado State majoring in running track and cross country. So that's, that's where she is right now. So um, I love um, my family and, and being part of this. And, you know, it's funny. I was cleaning out my Bible, just getting right down there, getting ready to come up here. You can't, you can't fake this. This is, this is true. I am the number one dad, just in case. Come on, Chris. That's from 20 years ago. Yeah, just get, and it, it's, it's taped in there so it doesn't fall out with all the other stuff when I open up my Bible. So good, good to be here. But this elder group, uh, I love being part of, the, of them. We meet every other week, generally for about an hour and a half. And uh, we just, we're there for Miles to give direction, support, uh, be a safe place for him. Uh, other administrative things, approve expenses, uh, just oversee general administration. But uh, really, uh, our goal is to be on our knees in prayer just seeking what's God's direction for this church. And, and many of you may not know we have a benevolence team. So one of the things that they do is they help us with um, administrative items as it relates to uh, supporting um, our community, our church community in terms of funds when we have requests or, or needs in our church. When we have ministries that we want to partner with, uh, we, we do those there. So sometimes, sometimes I know Miles gets direct requests for funds. We do sometimes, and that's just one of the things I want to let you guys know. We have just like so much. We're a, a young church, but we do have really good processes. And, and uh, one of the things that we've done over the last couple of weeks, we've continued to meet while Miles has been out. And, and I think as Miles said, uh, we've met with uh, a lot of the church staff and just been so pleased with how healthy it is, uh, the maturity of our group. So, so many of our staff are quite young, but uh, their maturity level is really good, and just we're so pleased with, um, with, with how that's coming along. But I wanted to share with you guys uh, a, a scripture that is really important to uh, ACC and to, uh, to myself. And so let's take a look at 
Matthew chapter 22. I think it's on the screen. Chris, should we do a there? Bible drill? Do you guys there want to do a Bible drill? Yeah, we do a quick we need Bible, Bible drill. drill, even with the elders sharing. Come on, David. Uh, <laughs> hey, you know, I, I, I benefit from the Bible drill because Katie and I uh, uh, lead the engaged couples quite a bit. And we usually have about You've gotten two, a few. Yeah. From the we'll Bible have about drill. 20 a year that, uh, that come through our engaged couples group. And many of them will be Bible drill. A lot of them are actually, uh, what I'm going to talk about today, that they met while serving. A lot of them meet while they're uh, directing traffic out there, taking care of kids, uh, holding the welcome signs. And uh, so they just, they got themselves started on the right foot. So why don't we hold our Bibles up? Hold our Bibles up. Come on. You can do it. All right. Um, since we're, it's Father's Day, should we do something with the fathers? There you go. All right. If you are a father in this room, keep your Bible up. If you are a father in this room, come on. Can we All give right. it up for our fathers? That's all right. I had. I, that, I didn't. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you, else. fathers. Keep going, Chris. All, all right. right. So how about that? So let's just jump right into the scripture I have here. So uh, this is where the Pharisees were trying to uh, see if they could catch Jesus in uh, um, any, any type of um, trick that they could have heard. So they said, uh, chapter 22, verse 36, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And with your mind, this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So it's, it's, uh, it's just very interesting to me how this all comes together. On Thursday night, we had a, uh, uh, what was it? it was uh, empty nesters, empty nesters dinner. And uh, so one of the things that uh, just... Uh, blew me away about that was some of the testimonies that were shared. But uh, honestly, one of the things that really stood out to me was the awesome desserts that we had. <laughs> they, were, they were phenomenal. And, and it's funny, as I, was listening, as I was reading this scripture, and it says, and there's so many ands, is there's heart and soul and mind. This is the greatest commandment. And the second is love your neighbor as yourself. As I think about those desserts that we had, it has a lot of ingredients, right? So you've got... Uh, I don't, you know, I don't cook, but I, but I, or bake, you know, I, my, but I watch my wife when she does quite often. And it's, uh, it's ingredients of, of, uh, flour and sugar and, and it's all of these, uh, butter, lots of butter for sure. All of that comes together. And I think that's what Jesus was talking about here when he was sharing this commandment. It was the, and, you know, it, and it's, and so often we want to stop with the love of the Lord, your God, with all your heart. And, and we, and we, get, when we stop right there, but all of these ands with soul, with mind, and then the, really the, the piece that we usually even we delay even getting to is the next piece, and the second is love your neighbor as yourself. So it's, I just like the awesome desserts that we had. They don't, you don't get that awesome without the butter, without, you know, all those ingredients put together. And that's, that's what I want us to think about here. And is Auburn Community Church, community is right in the middle of, of, uh, of our title of our church. Right, and it's the same. And so the and is us being involved in our community. What can we do to reach out to our neighbor? And so that's what I wanted to emphasize to us today. So how can I reach out to my neighbor, and and what does that mean? So so often we want to outsource that to maybe the benevolence team. We want to outsource that to staff. Uh, we want to we want to outsource that to our government. And so that's as a church, let's let's really stop. Let's pray, Lord, open my eyes to my neighbor, help me to see them. And I might see them, but I don't have a heart for them. 
Lord, give me a heart for them. Not just for the people that come and are in these four walls, but maybe the people that I see at, at Target. You know, the, the people that I see, you know, just in, in everyday life. Lord, give me a heart for them. So let's just pray for them as we come along. And then really, every week we talk about go be the church. And so let's think about, you know, what does go be the church mean? It really means let's, let's, let's take the church to our community. Not just the people that are in these four walls but the people that are out there that may never come to these four walls. And, and as we think about it for Father's Day, let's think about how can we lead our families in this area. It's just be a, an awesome legacy that we can leave to them, help us get our eyes off of ourselves and, and onto our community. Man, that's good. And I feel like uh, one is not only thank you, Chris, for sharing us that's food for the soul, but also got everyone excited for lunch uh, and Father's Day desserts um, with all the ingredients. But uh, do you, any of you all have anything? I, I think Go Be the Church is something that we talk about all the time. And you guys just need to know that our staff really exists. What Ephesians says is to equip the saints. You guys are the saints. The ministry isn't for us to do. We're trying to equip people to step into the calling that they have on their lives, and these men are doing that as well. So um, I just want to put this up at the beginning. I know this is a closing thing, but if you want to go up and put the slide, if you have any questions at the end of today for our elders, you have something you want to ask them, um, you can do email this uh, address that's going to be on the screen right here if you have anything, just so you can go ahead and make a note of that for later as you listen to these men. But you want to say something, David? Yeah, just real quick. I, I think as we grow as a church uh, and as we grow, not just individually in our spiritual maturity, but the church, and we become more mature, one of the gauges, one of the gauges, one of the ways nice. we'll be able to measure uh, our maturity is our volunteer culture, how well we volunteer both in the church and outside. Because that's a church that is, that's going from, I'm just thinking about this church, like what, what we have going on and everything we're going on to now I'm starting to think about my community and the world. And so I think a level of spiritual maturity will, will know if we as a church are growing in spiritual maturity, if we start seeing everyone involved in that sort of heart of being a volunteer and giving back. Come on, so good. Um... All right. Well, Will, I feel like you have a heart for that as well, but I would love for you to just introduce yourself and kind of talk about where yeah. your heart is for our people. Absolutely. What's up, y'all? My name is Will Herring. I'm one of the elders here. Behind me is my beautiful family, my wife, Ashley. My oldest daughter is next to Ashley, Maddie, Maddie Grace Herring. Um, Reese is our middle child, and then Isaiah is our young man. And so they are ages 10, 8, and 7, and and truly a joy. Um, never a dull moment in our house. Sometimes I wake up or, or I come home from my, my morning workout and it's weeping and gnashing of teeth. The oldest and the youngest <laughs> like to do a little bit of this. I'm like, how do you, how do you fight with a, a seven-year-old? You're 10, you know, but, but, they, but, but, but they're precious and, and we love them dearly. Yeah. Um, Mostly. Yeah, that's right. Um, just a little bit. Yeah, thanks, Gage, for, 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 for the opportunity to share. Um, I want to just talk, talk a little bit about our vision as a church and as, um, your, as the elders um, and as representing the staff and just our, our vision and, and of, of raising tiny, tiny disciples in a lost and in a broken world. Um, one thing, um, if y'all would put, put up Proverbs 22, 6, I brought, the, I, I represent the president of, of, of every book club. So I, I showed up with all sorts of books. So I grabbed the smallest Bible on the way out the door, and I grabbed the wrong, wrong version. So I'm just going to read what I jotted down. But Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train your child up in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So this is God's word. This is truth. And, and this, this here, this verse is a command, but it's also a promise. 
And so I'm, I'm going to get to the, the promise part, but, but the command is to train our children up in the, ways, in the ways that they should go. And so for Ashley and I, I just wanted to talk about a few practical things that, that we're doing as a family. And that's number one, that's washing them in the word daily. You know, the, the, God's word says to wash our wives in the word daily, but I feel like we should also be, be, be pouring scripture over our, our kids daily. And for us, that takes place around the, the kitchen counter. So when we're, when, we're, when we're eating breakfast, we're diving into God's word. Sometimes that's directly into the Bible, and sometimes it's into a, a children's, you know, a, a book that, that the kids, um, that, can, that can really relate to a, to a seven-year-old or to an eight or to a 10-year-old. And so just a few, a few books. I mean, like, I, I know for me, my wife, she is the book hunter. So she will search it out, she will hunt it down, and she will find it. And if, it, and if it's not good, then, then she'll eliminate it. But this is... This is <laughs> This is the Jesus Storybook Bible, okay? Awesome one. And we've, we've filtered, we've, we've, we've got some laying around the house that, that we're not worthy of coming up here. This one, <laughs> Thoughts to Make Your Heart Sing, okay? Another awesome book. And then, and then God's Names. That's by Sally Michael. That's the one we've just gotten into. Really an awesome book. Um, but that's, that's pouring the word into your children. That's number one. Number two is going to the Lord in prayer as a family. And... Um, when you do that as a, as a father, as a dad, when you're, when you're submitting to the Lord um, daily with your kids and with your wife, it, it really brings a sense of humility. So, like, um, it's hard for me to be um, you know, uh, harsh or, or, or to wrong them. If I know that I'm going to have to go before the Lord with them, like, chances are I'm going to make it right more immediate. And, uh, and for us... Going to the Lord is that takes place, you know, ten or fifteen minutes as we're going to bed. And uh, my son is is an awesome young man. He's got all the physical tools. He's about as tough as a, as a, as a soggy piece of toilet paper. He so he so he's still sleeping with his. He's still in the room with his two sisters. So for me, like praying at night, like that's actually kind of convenient because they're all in the same room together. We're still working on that. Y'all pray pray for us through that. But. Uh, but no, we, we, we go to the Lord in prayer every night as we're getting ready for bed. Um, number three, I put repenting, reconciling, asking for forgiveness, whatever you want to call it. So like, you know, often like even as, as believers and even as, as um, somebody that's walking with the Lord, like the people that we hurt worse, the people that I hurt the most are the ones that I love the most. And that's my wife and that's my kids. And so when I, when I, have, when I have hurt Ashley... Um, whether with my words or, or done something, and the kids saw it, like when I, when I go to her and, and ask for forgiveness, like I, 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 include, I try to include the kids, and Ashley does the same. We try to include the kids because so much of, of raising up a dis- tiny disciple is not just speaking truth into them and showing them God's word, but it's, it's also showing them you know, how, how to repent, how to, how to um, ask for forgiveness and I, we, we've, we've explained to them, and trust me, we have multiple opportunities um, throughout the weeks of, of like, hey, look, when you grow up and, and you become, you know, an adult and, and, a, and a much more mature Christian, like, you're still going to struggle. You're still going to sin. And so just explaining that to them um, and teaching them that at an early age and showing them what that looks like, we feel like is, is, is vital. Number four, community. Um, Chris hit on it. Community is in the middle of our, of our church name. And, and so as, as a family, Ashley and I have, have surrounded ourselves with like-minded families that are raising up their kids in the same manner that we are. 
Um, and then also, I want to throw in that community the, the, the resource and the blessing that, that these college kids are on my kids. And we've, we've opened up our home to so many college kids to come over and to dive into the word. And, and sometimes we're there, sometimes we're at a swim meet or we're at a soccer game, and we can't be there. But we have gotten to know and, and, and poured into a lot of these college kids, and, and they have been such a blessing to us as part of our community that's, that's loving on and pouring into our kids. So I, want, I would want to just encourage you all um, and let you know that that opportunity is there. Um, lastly, number five is, is serving. So, so, you know, the first Saturday of every, of every month, um, most of those Saturdays were at our house. It's over in the middle, middle of the projects here in Auburn. We're, we're bringing the word, we're bringing the gospel to a lost and to a broken part of, of our community that, that otherwise they would not hear the gospel um, throughout the week and throughout the, throughout the months. And so our kids are there. They're pouring in, they're loving on, they're playing with um, these children that are coming from these broken homes. And we're just, we're just trying to show them the way in that. So uh, the, the clock is, is starting to intimidate me, just changed colors. So I know how Miles feels now, but I, I, don't, I don't think I have the authority to yell at the clock guy and tell him to shut it off. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go over a few minutes. So y'all bear with me. Um, I, want, I want to, I want to more, maybe more important than even the, the, the points I just made, I wanna talk to the family, the mom and dad that, that right now is just trying to put one foot in front of the other. They're hearing all these awesome ideas and they're like, I'm just trying to get it together. And I want you to know that as, as, as one of the elders that honestly never felt adequate to be up here when they came to me a year ago, um, but as one of the elders, like I'm in that boat right now. Um, a few weeks ago, Gage asked us, we did the Bible drill and he said, if, if, if this has been one of the toughest years of your life, one of the toughest few months, leave your Bible up. And my Bible stayed up and um, we, so Ashley and I, like one of our babies is hurting right now. She's, she's suffering severe anxiety. She's having horrible thoughts and you can call it what you want, but um, she's hurting. And, and the enemy can use that to whisper lies into me, into Ashley. And, 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 and he's done that. And so like just in the week preparing for this, like he's, he's told me like, you, 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 don't, you, can't, you don't even have it together. And so I want y'all to know like, what do we do with that? Like, what do we do when we're going through that crisis, whether it's a, a terminal illness, whether the, a diagnosis, whether it's, you know, I just found out my kid is looking at pornography, whether it's a, a, a divorce in, in my marriage or, or a marriage that's on the brink of divorce, what do I do with that? And so I just wanted to, I just wanted to point, you know, just, just, just give you guys just, just some things the Lord shared with me. Number one is, is know that your Christian brothers are, are with you, okay? Like the way that, 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 Women in the church have reached out to Ashley. The way that, that men that, that I love, that love me, that, that have heard of, of, our, of our struggle, we want y'all to know we are with y'all. And, 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 and that's also the reason why we have communities, okay, and community groups. And I want to encourage y'all to, to dive in to, to that community and to lean on them, but, but to reach out to us. I mean, we talk about the prayer teams in the back. Like, we mean that when we talk about our hearts. And we want to walk through this valley with you. And we want you to know that the Lord is with you. Um, if y'all would put up Isaiah 40, 11. Um, this is a promise. 40, 11, uh, Isaiah 40, 11 says, He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them on his bosom. And he will gently lead those who are with young. Gage shared that with me the other day. 
and 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 y'all he he gathers this is the prophet Isaiah hundreds of years before Jesus was 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 here prophesying of of Jesus will, will, will come as a shepherd. He will gather the lambs. Lambs are baby sheep for those of y'all that, that aren't farmers. But, but he will, he's gathering. He's got my kids. And, and he is leading us, us being Ashley and I, as the parents, as the sheep. And he is, he is walking us through this. Okay? And, this, and, and, and at the end of the day, Ashley and I have got to make a decision. Like, are we going to listen to the enemy or are we going to dive into the word? And, and grow closer to God and find out what, what do, who is the character of God. And, and Gage, thank you so much for sharing that with me because that speaks directly to the heart of God. And, and, and the lyrics in one of the songs, basically, you know, choosing to believe on an empty grave, that's the same faith that I'm going to choose to believe in, in knowing that God's going to bring um, my child through this valley. But we love y'all, and I'm going to shut up now because I've gone way over. Come on, Will. That was awesome. You know, I think what you said there was just so profound. I don't know if you missed it. And if you don't have kids or you're someone in the room right now, you're like, that's a future season right now. What you basically said was um, your family needs you with Jesus more than sometimes they need you with them. Absolutely. Which sounds counterintuitive. But ultimately, I think it's easy for us. And what you've told me is it's so easy to get in that rhythm of the family stuff. That you completely forget your first love. Right. You have to come back to that first love. Yeah. And he's the one who leads you. It's yeah. It's so, it's so beautiful. So, Rob, I, I'm just going to go straight to you. Um, just tell us who you are and what's on your heart. Well, I'm Rob Pate. Um, I have a large family. If I went through it, then I'd probably run out of my time as well. But um, I'm super, super blessed to, to call this place home. Um, we moved back to, to Auburn in uh, 2016 and immediately called ACC home. I became an elder in 2017. Um, and, um, you know, I've got kids at every school in Auburn, um, including the university all the way down to Dean Road Elementary School uh, where my wife teaches. So um, we're, we're here. Um, <clears throat> what we're passionate about as a family and specifically my wife and I, um, number one is marriages. Um, we want to see healthy marriages thrive in this church. Um, number two would be uh, dads stepping up and, and leading. Um, if we can get those two things right, then um, we're going to be a super healthy place, uh, because I think that's the two place that the enemy wants to, to slip in and attack more than any other place. Um, the last thing that we're passionate about um, is diversity. Um, we would like to see um, a church that's more representative of the community, that's more representative of what heaven will look like. And, um, you know, that gives me a, a great opportunity also to, uh, to, to use this time on Juneteenth to, um, to just say, you know, that, that we're recognize that, um, the, the emancipation um, from slavery for um, the people in this congregation um, that are African American. And uh, so we want to acknowledge that and, and know that, um, um, that we have a heart to want to see that take place in this church, um, that we can't force it, um, but that we can pray for it. And it's going to take some spiritually mature people of color to come into uh, this congregation and be the people that lay the foundation for, for that to, uh, to, to, to look that way. Um, my, my role today was to speak to fathers, to husbands, to dads uh, about leading in a post-truth world, all right, um, which is a challenging time. It's, um, you know, as, as dads, we're called, and husbands, to, to lead in two places. We're called to lead in the church, and we're called to lead in the home. And if we took that role seriously in society, it would look totally different. Um, 
So we have really failed um, in our responsibilities. And because of that, because of that apathy, because of that ambivalence, um, we are reaping a culture um, that we now live in, where up is down, where right is left, where wrong is right, where right is wrong, where evil is good, where good is evil. Um, I, I read a quote um, earlier this week in, in preparation for this, and it was, uh, we may live in a post-truth world, but that doesn't mean that the objective truth that has been revealed to us through God's word will not stand the tests of a world gone mad. Going against the truth of God's design for men, women, children, and families is like going against gravity. Eventually, you're going to fall back to earth. Now, because of that, we're, we're worn down as men. But we're worn down because we are in a spiritual battle, battle and we are fighting without weapons. We're fighting in, in many times just not even recognizing that we're in a battle. Um, and, and, and when we are in a battle, we, we don't use the weaponry that we have at our disposal, namely the Word of God. And, and the truth is, the truth is, having spent a lot of time with men, we don't know the Word of God. And, and so it's a, uh, it's a call for us to get in the Word and to know it so that we're fighting with the, with the, the main weapon that we have. Um, but we're getting obliterated right now, and our kids are paying the, the price for it. And, uh, and that's, that's something that, uh, that, that we here on this stage want to make sure that, that, that we're fighting that battle well. Um, I, when, I was, when, when I knew this was going to happen, I said, when, when every man walks out of this room today, I want them to be able to remember kind of what it is to, to, to be able to lead their families well. And so I thought, you know, what are acronyms? And, and so the first acronym I thought of was KISS, right? The, the keep it simple, stupid, right? I said, if Amen. I can come up with something like that, then, hey, men are simple. I mean, that's why we can sit and fish all day and, you know, do this same motion for hours on end, or we can sit in a tree stand like this guy does, all, you know, and, and sit there all day. Um, we're, we're, just, we're just simple. So, so the acronym of KISS, um, the, the first K to, 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 to being a man that raises your family and, and leads your, 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 your wife well and leads in this community is to have a kingdom mindset. All right? And so the first scripture I have is Ephesians 5, 1 through 2, and it says, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. So a, a kingdom mindset means that I'm not the king, that Jesus is king. And for there to be a king, there has to be subjects. And that means I place my life under submission to, to him in every way, not the parts that I, you know, are comfortable, even the uncomfortable parts, that, that it all goes to him, uh, that he has complete authority. Um, and and you, know, you have to ask yourself, how do you spend your time? How do you spend your money? Is every facet um, done so thinking of things eternal, not of things that are temporary and seen? So that's the K. The I would be intimate involvement. So the, the, the scripture that I had for that was, uh, was the, the prodigal son. All right, it's, it's Luke chapter 15, verse 20. And it's the verse where the father sees the son and he has compassion on the son and he runs to the son. You know in that epoch of, of time that men didn't run? Slaves ran. Men didn't run. This is a father who had deep compassion for a, a wayward son that came back. Um, I think that uh, 
a lot of times we as men, we hold out on our families. We hold out on them emotionally. We hold, on, hold out on them with vulnerability, and they need to see that. I, I, I've been the, the, the prodigal son, and I've been the father to a prodigal daughter, all right? And so I have seen this from both sides, and um, I tell you, we, we need to do a better job of being able to, um, um, to live intimately and to be intimately involved with, uh, with, with our children. The number, number or the S in, in KISS was standing firm. Um, that's Ephesians 6.10. And it's, it says stand firm in the Lord. And, and I think that's the issue is that we as men want to stand firm on our own. We don't want to stand firm with anybody. We don't want to link arm in arm with other men. You know, I always say men need other men to be men. But really, better stated, men need godly men to be to be godly men, and and so we need more of that um, in uh, in our fight. And it is a fight; it's a fight because the enemy wants us isolated. And so, um, you know, we we need to make sure that that's a, a battle line that we draw, and and that we link arm in arm with brothers that uh, that we can do life with. And then the S, the last S in kiss is Sabbath, Sabbath. And, um, you know, that's a word that literally means stopping. And for many of us, our schedules are absolutely killing us. Um, Dallas Willard has a quote about this. He said, hurry is the great enemy to spiritual life in our day, and we must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives. Now, there's a book titled Ruthlessly Eliminate Hurry that changed our life. It's it's something that we implemented in my family, and, and we're not perfect at it. But for, for some reason, we have made Sabbath something that we think isn't necessary in our lives. And again, that's killing us. It's robbing us of joy. It was created for the glory of God, but for our benefit. And so we have to get back to setting that time aside. Um, and, and, then, and then that acronym will start back over. When we do that, we're going to be living with a kingdom mindset. And then down the line you go. So um, keep it simple, stupid. Kingdom mindset. Intimate involvement. Stand firm in the Lord. Sabbath. Amen. And kiss your wife, right? Absolutely. Okay, just making sure. That's what I was thinking. All right. Um, Well, I know that it's easy to sit there and think, wow, I feel inadequate. The best news is, is that we don't have to be adequate. Jesus is enough, and he wins. And so, David, I know where your heart is at in that. So I would love for you to kind of close our time together, introduce yourself and and tell us what's on your heart. Great. Yeah. My name is David Fittner. Um, I am one of the elders here. I think that's my crew behind us. My 11 children um, by birth, adoption, and marriage. Excuse me. And I think it's two of my grandkids there. We have a third now and two more on the way. So my family's a little bigger. <laughs> but but it's, not yeah. it's not a competition. You'll get there. <laughs> it's, it's not? Oh, oh sorry. Okay. sorry. <laughs> um, anyway, I, I love you guys. Um, you, you know, my heart, um, boy, really what I want to share is, is, is kind of who we are as a church and um, who we want to be in this, what did you say, post-truth world? Um, and so I, I'd, love to, I'd love to bring a couple of points up. Um, the, the foundational scripture I want to use, if we can put that up there, is 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. And I'm going to read it. It says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, 
who is to judge the living and the dead. And by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. So I have three points. The first is, as a church, we will not water down the word of God. Um, it's, it, we live in a world where we want to create God in our own image and we're not going to do that. We're going to hold a high view of scripture. I mean, one of the reasons we do the Bible drill is because while we don't worship this book, we worship the author. So we're going to have a high view of scripture always. Um, and, and if in doing that, if in having a high view of scripture, it earns us um, respect and acclaim and acknowledgement from the world, then so be it. But if it earns us ridicule, if they call us um, rude, intolerant, uh, if they think we're crazy Christians, we're weird, we're backward, then so be it. Ultimately, we're not going to be judged. We're, we're not going to allow this church and ourselves, hopefully as individuals, to be judged by the standard of the world or the morality, I say in quotes, of the world. Um, we're always going to keep our eye focused on that God is our judge. I mean, he is the one that judges us. And that's the standard I want to strive for is his good judgment on my life, not what the world thinks about us. So as a church, we're going to fight that temptation, and, and, and it is a strong temptation. And there are, frankly, a lot of churches that are giving into it now um, that, that they want to please the world. Um, they they want to make you know, people feel good about themselves. And, and while I'm not opposed to that, that's not our primary objective. Um, and that leads me to my second point, which is and I'm going to say a couple of things bluntly. So if you're offended, get over it. Um, <clears throat> we, we're not really here to make you each other comfortable. Um, that's not the purpose. In, in fact, the purpose of church is really the opposite of that, right? I mean, the purpose of church is for us to hold each other accountable. I just talked about in Timothy, we're to exhort each other. We're to rebuke each other in love, but, but that's what the purpose of church is, is not so that we can all live our best life yet and feel good about ourselves as we walk out. Now, listen, I want us to feel good about ourselves when we walk out from a sermon sometimes, but also sometimes I, I want us to feel bad about ourselves, to be convicted Because that leads to deep spiritual growth, and that is spiritual truth. <clears throat> um, again, I'm going to say a couple of things. Bear with me. We do not, absolutely do not want to be a tolerant church. Some of you just went, whoa. What do I mean by that? Listen, for me, the definition of tolerant is pretty easy. It's I don't love you enough to care. Or I'm too much of a coward 
to confront you. You see, God, the only time I could find in the Bible that tolerance was even referenced was when God was rebuking his people for tolerating the sins and idolatry of the nations around them. Or when Paul was rebuking the church for tolerating sin in, amongst their, in their midst. You know what the Bible does talk a lot about are two other words, love. We are supposed to love each other. First, we're supposed to love God above all else. As Chris said, then we're supposed to love our neighbor. We're supposed to love each other. But, you know, we're also supposed to love ourselves. And then beyond that, we're supposed to love our enemies. We're supposed to love those who persecute us. We're supposed to love those in the world. We're supposed to love the lost. We're not supposed to tolerate any of them. We're supposed to love with passion. But the Bible also says we're supposed to hate. So we're going to be a church that loves and a church that hates. And what we hate is the sin that separates us from God. Okay? We're supposed to hate the world and the ruler of this world because the objective of the world is simply to tear us away from God. And so we want to be a passionate people. We, we want to love well and we want to hate rightly. Okay? Hope I didn't offend anyone with that, like I said. Um, last, my last point is we want to stay desperately dependent on God. This is something I talk about a lot. I talk about it elders a lot. Um, I fought the fancy new digs going on Hamilton Road a lot because I was afraid um, of what it would do to that desperate dependence. But then God really showed me that spiritual maturity and being desperately dependent should not be based on your circumstances. You know, I, I had a couple of weeks ago, I don't know if he's in here, Jonathan Schnell, one of our awesome volunteers, and he, he was helping me do a project, and he and I were talking and reminiscing about, oh, it is red. Now, yeah, that is kind of, you see that red numbers. We were reminiscing about the days of the Coliseum. Anybody remember the days of the Coliseum? You know, it, we had such a volunteer culture because it was, it was so obvious that it was a, an enormous task to pull off a Sunday every Sunday. You go from this cavernous, empty thing to try to make it feel warm and inviting, and literally everybody, I mean, 90% of the people that went to church also did something. Like, they showed up early, they stayed late, they, you know, a, a mom with a baby in one arm stacking chairs with the other arm. I mean, like, everybody did something because the need was so obvious and it was so clear. Like, hey, if we don't all step up, it's not going to happen. Like, like we're not going to have church. And then he, he was talking about how awesome that was. And while he wasn't saying that it's bad now, he was saying it's just changed. Like, the need is not so obvious. And the, the, the desperation... Like, where are we even meeting, you know, this Sunday? And, and is anyone going to show up? You know, that's not nearly as clear. And, and so it becomes much more difficult. It's like our personal lives. You guys all know this. We all hate this truth, but it's the truth that we are most often drawn closest to God when something in our life is going wrong. You know, when, we, when, when something is bad, that bad diagnosis, again, that, that job loss, that, that relationship loss, that's when we're, we're drawn to the Lord. You know, that, that, that cancer of self-sufficiency creeps in only when things are going 
really well. And so as a church, my heart is that we never allow um, self-sufficiency and the comforts that we experience now to, to keep us from constantly being desperately dependent on God. And, and like I said before, I think one of the ways that we're going to be able to measure that desperate dependence on God, whether it's here and again, even frankly, even more so when we move into those, that awesome place on Hamilton Road, which I'm thankful for. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm genuinely thankful for it, but I also see it as, as dangerous if we don't do it well and treat it properly. Um, but the gauge that we're, the measure that we're going to have, whether we've reached spiritual maturity, is if we continue to have that heart of desperation for God. We continue to volunteer. We seek out. We know that others, we need to be giving of ourselves as a body. And so that's my heart. I hope that didn't come across as, as condemning. I don't mean it to be that. I just know that, want you all to know that we as, a, as elders who, frankly, generally don't really have a clue what we're doing. We're, we're desperate before God. Our heart is just that this church grow up and mature and impact individuals, impact this community, impact this state, this country, and the world. So good. Yeah, you can clap. So uh, here's what I want us to do in just the next few minutes is uh, I know that Maybe you came into church today and this is a little bit heavier than you thought it would be on Father's Day. And that's not meant to be a slap over their head or anything like that. But I know that the healing process for so many of us begins with our fathers. So many of us have struggled to view God the correct way because of our fathers. And this is a day, if you're a father in here, that should be freeing. It should be hopeful. It should be exciting that God has entrusted you with this gift. But if you're not a father, you're not a mother yet, you want to be one day, like this is an opportunity for us. I just wanted to take the end of our time together to let these uh, men, these pastors, these elders, just speak directly into some situations and into our souls. So this, is, this next few minutes is just that. Just receive it as a gift from God. Let this kind of flow over you. And I'm going to let Rob kind of lead the way in that. So we also recognize that, uh, that Father's Day can be tough for, uh, for many of you. Um, there may be abuse, there may be abandonment, there may be um, some significant wounds that, uh, that you deal with on this day. For some, your history, the lack of repentance from your dad or your husband has prevented you from seeing your heavenly father as a good father. You are harboring unforgiveness that is eating away at you not the male that wronged you. As I speak, allow God to use these words, words that you may need to hear in order for your healing to begin. Some of you have a story of being, being treated harshly and abusive when you were disciplined as a child. You were just a child and your dad expected too much from you. That was his spiritual and emotional immaturity, not yours. Some of you got a dad that struck out at you because of his anger instead of loving you. He was wrong for that, not you. Someone in here was constantly criticized when you were doing the best that you could do, and you harbor that critical spirit against your dad. Some of you were told often that you were worthless, that you never should have been born, and that you would never amount to anything. That was a lie and not biblical truth that you have worth and value and carry the image of our Creator. 
some had fathers that used their mouth to curse you when they should have used it to bless you. Some of you as a child were abandoned and you did not have the father that you needed when you needed him the most. Many, many of you had parents that divorced and your dad was not there for you because he went his own way. You needed and wanted him to be there and he was not and that was wrong of him. Some of you had fathers that made promises that they didn't keep and it broke your tender heart and it hardened it towards him, towards other men in your life, even towards God. Some wives should have been able to trust their husbands and he was untrustworthy. He failed. He betrayed his vows. Some have been threatened and controlled by fear and by anger. Now you carry that anger and you live in that fear. Maybe a father or father figure molested you when you were a child and destroyed your innocence. And this man had no concern for what that did to you. Can that be forgiven by you? Some of you were exposed to pornography and had your innocence and purity compromised. That may have led to addictions and a shame and a regret that you carry daily. Maybe your story is one of having been raped or lured into sex or being taken advantage of. It was so wrong and evil for you to have ever had to endure that. And you've never heard someone say, I'm sorry for the pain that it inflicted. Was your dad or husband overly critical and judgmental of you when he should have accepted you? Perhaps you've been made to feel that you were less than someone because of the color of your skin, made fun of for your disability. Your husband or your father were not the spiritual leader in your home, nor the protection you and your family should have had. For all of these abuses of you, you deserve a repentant father and husband. You deserve to be told that he is truly sorry for what he did and for what it did to you. And here's the hardest part. He also needs to be forgiven by you. We need to know today that the number one thing that keeps us from receiving the healing that the Lord wants to give us is unforgiveness. Harboring unforgiveness not only keeps us from our healing, but it often leads us to hurt the people in our lives whom we love the most. All the counseling in the world will not give us the ability to forgive a person who has hurt us deeply. The only one who can do that is the Lord. I want everyone to look up here at me and listen to me. Offering forgiveness does not mean what happened to you was right or that you deserved it. Forgiveness is not saying that what the person did is okay. It's not okay and it never will be. Forgiveness is not a feeling. It is a choice. Forgiveness pays the way for healing. And forgiveness is a command from God. It's continual. It's a lifestyle. It's releasing them to God and turning them over to Him. It simply means we are allowing God to be Lord over, area, over every area of our lives, and we choose to live with a pure heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God.
I want to see God, and I know you do too, so we must forgive. Martin Luther said, forgiveness is opening your hands and realizing a prisoner, releasing a prisoner, and realizing that all along the prisoner was you. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we, every single one of us, come to you as failures. None of us are good in your sight. None of us are successful. None of us has done everything that we even want to do. But I thank you so much that you see us through Jesus, who is perfect, who has done everything, who has redeemed us in your sight. So Father, for all of the fathers out there, some who have tried really hard to be good fathers and fail continually, and they know it. And for the fathers out there who haven't really cared, Lord, I lift up fathers right now. Lord, it's, it's a day and an age where fathers and fatherhood are being belittled and put down. But Lord, we call you Father. And so you are the one that we look to. And those of us that are earthly fathers, we just strive to be as much like you as possible. We love you, Lord. Father, today is about you. You be glorified. Lord, if any man is glorified up here, then we've failed. But you be glorified in all that we do. Holy Spirit, I pray, Lord, that you would fill and touch those wounds that people have experienced from their earthly fathers and that they know beyond the shadow of a doubt that they have a loving, caring, giving Heavenly Father who pours out himself for them on the cross and every day he pours out his love for them through his Holy Spirit. Father, we give you this day. Lord, this is always and always about you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So because of that love Jesus has displayed on the cross, we're going to take communion as a church today. So you can go ahead and grab the communion set underneath your chair if you have one there. Or if you need one, you can raise your hand. Make sure we get everybody one. And if you're in Birmingham, same thing. Lake Martin, same thing. But what we're going to do is we're going to take communion. This is a time for husbands to pray over your wives. This is a time for us to remember the sacrifice of Jesus. But I also want to give another opportunity. If this, the, the story of your life is impacted by your father in a negative way, the men of our church, the elders, one of their roles is to lay hands and pray for those who are hurting. So if it's you, you've had a ho horrible year, or it's you and you have a story, or maybe your relationship with your father isn't great, after this time, during communion, they're just going to be up here at the front. And if you want prayer, or during the worship song, if you want prayer, just come up here. Their wives are going to be up, up here as well. But we want to go ahead and make sure that we focus our, our hearts, our minds, our souls on Jesus in this time. But if you want prayer, now's your time again to come down to the front. So go ahead, take communion. We're going to strike the stage, and we're going to enter into worship. <laughs> 